And a very warm welcome to all the listeners to the Studio 7 Fitness Podcast. And this is episode number seven. And I'm your host, uh, Michael Lindsay. And I hope you had a great week and you've um, started uh, moving forward towards your goals. And I hope you enjoyed the last couple of guest podcasts. I'm just going to do a solo podcast uh, this week. And it's going to be a few FAQs, a few frequently asked questions that I've been asked over the, um, say, the last suppose, couple of years, really. And uh, I'm just going to run through maybe five or six questions and my answers to them. And that, um, you might get some um, some good content there and be able to implement some of the strategies. So uh, looking forward to it. So we will head away with question number one. I have too much on the go at the same time. I feel I'm constantly juggling too many plates, which means I end up not finishing anything. How can I cope? So that's question number one. I think we can all, um, you know, resonate with this question. A lot of people have a lot of stuff going on. They're putting out fires all day long, different problems, different stresses. And sometimes they end up not completing anything really properly. So what I would, the answer to this one really would be um, we need to prioritize the jobs. So what I like to call it is to do your ABCs. So what I mean by that is uh, jobs that are kind of A's, tasks that are number or A's, should we say, is the most important thing, the most urgent thing that has to be done straight away. Sometimes called eat the frog, you might have heard that before, I've used it before, where you prioritise the most important thing. Sometimes it's not the nicest thing, you know, it could be having to have a conversation with somebody, ringing the accountant, whatever it is. And what we tend to do is shy away from that frog, should we say, and we, we kind of put it to the back of our mind or try to and get on with other stuff. But what ends up happening is you're just thinking about that important urgent task and it's just going to shadow your whole day like a cloud and like a frog's just going to be sitting on your desk looking at you ribbiting away so that's why they say eat the frog so once you eat the frog once you do that a task straight away first thing in the morning that leaves a lot of pressure so you're like oh okay done and then what you'll end up doing is you'll end up doing you know more product you'll have a productive day because you'll end up doing more jobs so basically a tasks that need to be done straight away b B tasks are important, but they can probably wait a day or two. And then C jobs or C tasks is everything kind of in between. Little jobs, you might, you know, you might have to get them done this week or next week, but not not urgent. So what you'll find, once you've done that A, stress levels will drop immediately. And then what will probably more than likely happen is you'll end up doing, you know, a few Bs and maybe a few Cs or, you know, so you'll end up getting very productive because you've got that weight lifted off your shoulders. So that's why um, with this system, you know, all the important things will get done each day with this system. So, you know, and it's simple to remember, don't forget your ABCs. Okay, so that's number one. Number two, um, I don't see how I can set aside recovery time for myself when I have so much to do. And I think, again, a lot of people can resonate with this. We seem to be on the hamster wheel all day long, just spinning, spinning, spinning. Working right up at the top level, 100% all day long. And no wonder when you get home, you're like, oh, fall, as, you know, fall on the couch and probably crash out and fall asleep because you have no energy left. And we're going to talk about a little bit of energy management later on. But um, 
you know, the answer to this question is, well, the question was, I don't see how I can set aside recovery time. Well, the answer to it simply is you can't afford not to, pretty simply. You have to get some kind of recovery in there. It doesn't mean it has to be huge or long or going for a nap necessarily. It just means some kind of a break from the task that you're doing, whether it be a few minutes, whether it be just taking a breath, whether it be getting up and talking to a colleague, going outside for a walk around the block, you know, whatever it is, you know, it's important to, to, to schedule it in and have those troughs throughout the day where you get to, to recover. Um, you know, it's false thinking that if you work harder and longer, you'll get more done. It's not necessarily because your your you, your concentration levels will be gone and you won't be able to produce the same quality of work. So it's like the analogy of an athlete. So if an athlete trained eighteen hours a day without adequate rest and food, you know what would happen? You know they would collapse, wouldn't they, and be unable to perform? You know the athlete needs to recovery, and that's is scheduled into their um, into their day. Now we're not all athletes, obviously, but what we need to do is schedule that in. Um, because you will burn out a lot faster with no recovery time. So this brings me back to um, uh, a sports psychologist, Jim Lure, and I mentioned him briefly, I think, in a previous podcast, and he talks about the principle of oscillation. So basically what the principle of oscillation is, is is basically that it's kind of like that we need to bring uh, some kind of recovery in during the day. Now, you know, energy is the key, really. We talk about you know, you hear a lot about time management this and time management that, but it's not, you know, time doesn't change. We all have a certain amount of time. We all have 86,400 seconds in a day. That doesn't change. So all the people who have produced the most, you know, amazing feats, the most amazing inventions, the the Zuckerbergs, the Bransons of this world, you know, they they don't have any more time than we do. It's just they manage their time better and they put the the right amount of energy into the time. So it's about energy management, guys. So it's not about time management. So, you know, uh, and Jim Lewis talks about the same. He talks about energy is key. So it's not just the amount of time we spend, you know, with our loved ones or at work. It's the energy you're bringing to the time that you have with them. So it's basically periods of energy expenditure followed by periods of energy recovery. So what we tend to recommend really is you know if you're working on the task we recommend maybe working on the task for about an hour 90 minutes max so putting 100 percent energy into that task it could be work could be at home whatever you're doing but put all of your energy into it no distractions like turning on a 500 watt light bulb and then as 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 simple as turning on a light bulb we need to turn that off you know 90 minutes an hour later and that's when you get your trough where it'll come down, you'll have a little bit of breathe, maybe go for a walk, listen to a bit of music, a bit of meditation, whatever it is, but you're getting that bit of um, recovery. Um, you know, and in order, to, you know, I think to be fully engaged with life at times when it matters the most is is that ability to switch modes and giving yourself enough downtime to recharge, like an iPhone battery or an Android battery you know where it goes down what do we do we plug it in we charge it you know and that's just the device that we use and we're talking about our own bodies we need to do the exact same so we need to recharge and then when you return to the task you're going to be even more stronger and more focused than you were before when you started to tire 
okay so very very important you can't keep this 100% um, you know level up at all times because you know by the time you get home you won't be able to interact with your partner with your kids or anything like that so you know to be the peak performer in any area of your life whether professionally personally you have to find ways to renew your energy so as I said at the beginning of this question or this answer you can't afford not to you have to find ways to renew your energy physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. And that's when our body's energy systems work best is when we turn them on brightly and then turn them off again. You know, even the commute on your way home is important. You can make a huge difference on your way home from work. Turning off your mobile, anything else that keeps you mentally engaged. Just being present, looking out the window, being mindful if you're on the train or the bus. Just being mindful of your surroundings. What it does, it, you know... It literally, you know, switches, you know, we're trying to get that mental gear change um, from that tiredness and wrecked from work. Um, but if you've done your, you know, your recovery throughout the day and your commute home, if it's 10, 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, by the time you get home, you'll be able to give your family, you know, 100% of your energy rather than 40, 30% if you're just trying to work, work, work all day long, do you know? So... You know, that's that's what the main, you know, what I'd answer to that question is we can't really afford um, not to. So simply taking a bit of time each day to, to deeply relax and exercise, you know, is enough to get started. It doesn't have to be long, as I said, a few minutes. But over time, this will lead to becoming more efficient in managing your energy daily. And then you'll be able to take more time off and not feel this is affecting your achievements because people think oh, I have to work as many hours as I can you know and you know I was like that at the beginning just work 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 yeah I can take care of this time and this time but then I burnt out then I got sick because I wasn't getting my recovery and I was taking out my own workouts to please other people and eventually my body was like nah I've had enough Mike I'm done I'm just gonna unplug here for a while and I got sick for a few days so now I pencil in like an appointment, recovery times, whether it be for a walk, I do my steps out, go into the park, or if I get my workouts in, which are most days, but I leave them in, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm, I work around then appointments around my recovery time. Okay, so that's a little long-winded there, but you, you kind of get the idea to that one. So that was question number two. Question number three. I end up taking on too much and agreeing to stuff I don't want to do because I don't like disappointing people. How can I learn to say no? That's a biggie. And I think a lot of you probably nodding away and saying, that's me, that's me, because I am the same. Um, You know, it's very hard for us to say no to people. Um, They could be family, could be good friends. You know, so you don't want to disappoint people. This is a big one. Um, You know, as I said, People to kind of people pleasers, you want to do as much as you can for people. But sometimes, you know, the effort you put into pleasing everyone, you end up disappointing them because you can only do so much. And what the problem is, if you can't give your full effort, you have your own stuff going on as well. So if you can't complete this task or give your full effort to the person, what happens is the job only gets half done. Do you know what I mean? So you'll end up probably disappointing them, disappointing yourself for not being able to fully complete the job. 
and and you'll feel bad they'll feel bad it's not a good situation um so again what what you know it's you know it's hard just to say no but there is a better way of saying it <laughs> okay so i'm going to give you an example of a good way to say no but still being pleasant not just being abrupt and say no i can't do it you know be more people can understand so this is a good example so you know my answer would be if i'm really struggling and i can't I haven't got enough time to help this person fully what i could say is i'd love to help but i'm a little bit overwhelmed at the moment and i'm sure you'll understand that i don't want to let you down but i'll let you know when i am able to do it you know it could be a couple of weeks but i'll let you know so that kind of sums it up i'll repeat that again just so you get it you can write it down if you want <laughs> i would love to help but i'm a bit overwhelmed at the moment and i'm sure you understand that i don't want to let you down but I'll let you know when I'm able to do it. Okay, so you're not saying you don't, you're not going to do it ever. You're going to say you are going to do it, but you're a little overwhelmed. And they'll understand. If they're close to you, they'll be saying no problem at all. Rather than saying no and coming across abrupt, that's a good way of saying it. So we just need to be a little bit more, you know, better at that. And, you know, just to be honest, you know, and just say, look, I'm a bit tied up. I'm a bit, I'm a bit you know, I've got a lot going on. I'll definitely help you out. I'm just caught for a couple of weeks. Something like that. You know, it's a nice way of saying it. Okay, so that answers that question. Next question. I always want things to be perfect, which means I end up spending too much time on tasks that others seem to find relatively simple. Why can't I just get on and do things? Again, you're probably getting a few nods and yeses, and that's me. Um, so perfection. I talk about this a good bit. Problem is with perfection, one, it doesn't exist. I think that's the big the big one. And what people tend to fall down on is they, they, they look for perfection. You know, there's a lot of perfectionists out there, and I suppose I am to some degree. But then I had started to realise that, you know, your very good could be better than someone else's, you know, really, really good. So if you're you're okay, your your kind of good could be better than someone else's very good. So, you know, perfection is just a made up place. Um, it doesn't exist. And what happens is you spend so much time trying to get something perfect. And as I said in the question there, it could be a relatively simple task that you could have done and moved on to the next one. Where you get stuck on this one thing where you, someone else has ended up being way ahead of you because you're trying to get this one thing as perfect, perfect, perfect. But it doesn't need to be perfect. It could be good, could be could be good, could be very good, average, you know, it is still it's still it's still good. It's still you know, you you've still passed the task, you've still completed it. So you you know and there's people kind of waiting for that perfect time, the perfect place you know, when the stars align and all this type of jazz, you know, just, just just kind of get it done. Work towards it, turn the light bulb on, get it done, move on to the next thing. And just do to your, your, your best capabilities, which I'm sure is good enough. Okay. So I'll tell you a good, a good, a good, um, a good story just to sum this up. It's about the Zen monk. You might have heard it before. I don't know if I might have said it before on a, a video, but just to refresh your memory. So this is really sums up perfection very well. So the Zen monk goes to the Zen gardens. He's been invited to this monastery and he's very important, very important guy. All the monks are very excited to have him in, but also very kind of worried to have him in as well because 
they're worried about will the place look good enough so all day long before the zen master arrives should we say they're working tirelessly for days even to create the perfect zen garden every tree was trimmed every pebble was perfect perfectly placed it was like out of a, a postcard there was nothing out of place at all the visitor arrived the zen master arrived with and then he looked at the garden and he had a bemused expression on his face so the other monks were like oh no maybe he's picked out something that well, maybe we missed something you know they started stressing and they were starting to get worried as well so the zen master walked over to the largest tree in the garden he shook it and probably a dozen or so leaves fell in a random pattern onto the ground he turned to the monks and said now it is perfect so that's a lovely story uh, and, it, and it means he said it was too polished it wasn't natural so when he shook the tree now it's perfect so I think that's if you ever kind of think about perfection, think about that Zen monk story, because it's very, it's a really good, um, you know, analogy to to how people want it to be spot on. It doesn't have to be. It was better for him. He was happier when it was just natural and just where the leaves fell. Okay. So, you know, sometimes that positive intention, again and again, can can that extremeness for that that perfection can drive you and probably others crazy as well so you need to allow some things not to be quite perfect but it'll be good enough do you know um it's the tiny imperfections that creates the magic i think that's lovely you know uh, and that's what you need to think about imperfections are what creates the magic okay so we're on to the next question so i said we'll get through a few of these and um there's a couple more to go I think we'll see how we go and um, you know if there's any more questions that you had please fire them at me okay so next question is I get panic attacks when I'm stressed but I really don't want to take medication for it what can I do um again tricky one um you know counseling obviously might be needed first before you know we go down the medication route um now not saying there isn't a place for medication you know psychotherapists psychiatrists and uh, depending on the situation it can help initially um obviously we want to probably push more so and which they do more so and I've referred some psychotherapists as well who you know talk about the environment that surrounds the person so I like to use the car analogy here so a lot of psychotherapists psychiatrists and counselors uh, they'll look at the engine of the car so how the car runs um, you know the fine-tuning um, the cylinders the power of the engine just working how it all comes together and inside of the car should we say and then for someone you know referred down to me in regards to life coach and um, fitness is to be okay we need to get into the car and drive the car so 
it's looking at the environment around the person as well, like a scaffold. So we'll be looking at the recovery, which we talked about in an earlier question, nutrition, um, exercise, mindfulness, meditation, all these wellness areas that we can work on with the client, which will 100% boost um, you know, cognitively their mood um, if they're done regularly and you know and hopefully then it would be more that to be used rather than to prescribe medication so you know panic attacks panic attacks and things like that are your you know simply your mind and your body over signaling emotionally to get your attention basically um so when this is ignored it gets stronger and stronger and then you know that can lead to um you know if those emotions are ignored and it gets stronger and stronger if it's not dealt with it then then that can lead to a panic attack lots of calming techniques and i'm going to run through one um now to um to kind of finish off the podcast which is a really nice exercise and i've done it a few times um in my seminars and wellness workshops a very very powerful exercise and it was it's kind of like you know calming techniques meditation breathing exercise breathing exercises sorry and mindfulness is very important and this exercise um has actually been proven and it and it's 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 pretty it's pretty amazing it, even within you know kind of under a minute can actually reduce the effects of say stress or a panic attack coming on and it's the connection between the heart and the brain and the heart is such a powerful organ and it's really not appreciated as much as it should do because we're all taught in school, aren't we, that the heart responds to um, orders sent from the brain via neurosignals. It's not commonly known that the heart actually sends more signals to the brain than the brain does to the heart. So, you know, different patterns of heart activity, which accompany different emotional states, have a distinct effect on cognitive and emotional function. And that's important to know. You know, the heart has over... 40,000 neurons so that's as much as many section of the brain so it has a capability of learning remembering feeling and, and sensing so it's very powerful really powerful um, so every time your heart beats basically it sends information to the brain which influences our perceptions our emotions and awarenesses as well as having a regulatory influence on many of the autonomic nervous system signals which includes the stress response and we're going to go into stress your stress response and your coping mechanisms, both healthy and unhealthy in an upcoming podcast as well. So basically it just means it's not just a pump for blood, okay? What it is, is the physical control center which determines whether it triggers the sympathetic nervous system part of your nervous system, which is your flight, fight or freeze, which is your reacting to a danger, or your PNS, your parasympathetic nervous system, which is your body's natural state of relaxation. So your brain takes in the information through the five senses, and then it represents that information in the form of like an internal language and an imagery. So if it perceives a threat, so it could be real, or you could just be thinking about a threat, it sends a signal to the heart to produce that adrenaline, cortisol stress hormone and other chemicals so that increases your body alertness so it's that whenever you've had danger or something's something's you know you've had an accident or something's about to happen and your body's alertness is that fight or flight or freeze um 
it's your ability to fight or run away from any threat. So, however, with this exercise we're going to do in a second, that heart-brain connection, it can actually override that signal. So it's like having, I suppose, you could use the analogy of a remote control or a, a car alarm. Do you know, it's an off switch. The car alarm's going off, so you've had a stress response, whether that be a real response, a physical, or something you've just thought about. So you're starting to, you know, you know, you, you you're you're about you're starting to get kind of a little bit of anxious thoughts, which is going to lead to a physical um, reaction. Um, however, before it gets to that point, you can actually switch it off, and we're going to go through how. Um, so. The Institute of Heart Math, which is set up in the in the early nineties, actually to study the role of the physical heart in health and well-being. So the research led to the development of a number of tools for stress management programs, built around the idea that when you shift your attention from your head to your heart, your body relaxes, your mind gets clearer, and the brain releases the positive chemical changes of that natural relaxation which is the parasympathetic uh, excuse me tongue tied it's late um the parasympathetic nervous system okay that's the one we need to stimulate just to relax the body rather than the uh, sympathetic nervous system which is your fight or flight okay so this exercise is called from head to heart really powerful i'm going to talk you through it and you might not be particularly listening to this podcast feeling very stressed or anxious but you can use this and you can listen back to this if you even you, you know you have a, if you're sub- subscribed you'll have it now and it's near the end of the podcast so you could um, just have an idea of when it starts um, and then you could play it and it could um, it could really help you and it's proven to under a minute even um, bring your um, anxiety levels down so I'm going to talk you through it and yeah and hope you get a lot from it okay so we're going to finish with this Okay, so the first thing you need to do is become aware that you're experiencing a stressful feeling in your body. So that's when self-awareness comes in. And we talked about a little bit about before, about being self-aware of your body really and your thoughts and how your body's feeling. So that's when I do like, you know, the stress wheel is, okay, how's my, how's my body feeling right now? Is it tense? you know, is my heart beating a little faster? So that's just number one. Become aware that you, there's a stressful feeling going on. Obviously, I just said before, listening to this podcast right now, you not, might not be very stressed. But this is the exercise you can use when you are. Okay, so I'll talk you through it now. So I want you to put your hand on your heart. You can close your eyes and do this. You can do this now. Place your hand on your heart, both hands, in the middle of your chest and close your eyes so I want you to focus your energy all your energy into this area of your body into the heart and I want you to take at least three slow and gentle breaths into your heart maintaining your focus on the feeling of your hand in the center of your chest three slow and gentle breaths off you go Now I want you to recall a time when you felt really, really good, when you felt so happy, a time you felt love, joy or real happiness, where you were the happiest you've ever been. I want to, you to return to this memory 
as if you were back there right now, right this second. And I don't just want you to remember it. I want you to be there. It could have been a school trip. It could have been a holiday 10 years ago. It could have been yesterday. Whatever memory it was, take yourself back there right now. And I want you to see what you saw. I want you to hear what you heard. And I want you to feel how you felt. Literally, I want all your senses there. I want you to be in the moment, having the time, running on the beach, having fun with your friends, having um, fun with your partner, having a beautiful experience abroad. Wherever it was, I want you to take yourself there, be there. See what you saw, hear what you heard and feel how you felt. And just stay with that thought now for the next few seconds. As you feel this good feeling in your body, imagine your heart could now speak to you. I want you to have a conversation with your own heart. Ask your heart how you could take better care of yourself in this moment and in this stressful situation that's taking place. Have a conversation. Ask your heart right now, how could you take better care of yourself in this moment, in this situation? Break it down. There's always a way. That's one of my quotes. It's always a matter of finding a way. So we need to ask our heart, which is a hugely powerful organ, how can we be better in this situation? How can we deal with it? Let's break it down. And not only that, but listen to what your heart says in answer to your question. Listen to it. Listen to your heart. And act on it as soon as you can. That was it. Short, short uh, exercise, but so powerful. Um, I had a couple of ladies actually um, who were in, and they were kind of finished, and they were kind of tears coming down their face. And I was like, "Oh, sorry." <laughs> and I was like, um, "Are you okay?" And they, they, they were like, "Oh no, they're not. It's not sad tears. You know, they were happy tears because they brought them to a really happy time, maybe with a loved one who wasn't unfortunately here anymore. So it's very powerful. But you know the." This the University of HeartMath have, you know, done studies on this, and it can literally start bringing your heart rate down, blood pressure down, um, just calming you within, you know, 60, 60 seconds, ninety seconds. So it's not just thinking of this moment, happy moment, like literally transporting yourself with a time machine, and you're there, and you're having a great time. It's amazing what it can do to to the mind and how it just shows how powerful the heart is and and how how it can literally switch off that stress response that's getting you all agitated cortisol adrenaline and it can just switch that off in a matter of a minute very powerful guys okay i think that's a nice way to end this podcast so i hope you got a, a good bit out of that um some of the main you know most frequently questions i've had anyways but feel free to, to, to send me on some more and, I, and I'll um, do my best to answer them. So, uh, yeah, so if you enjoyed the podcast, again, please share it. Please send it on to people you think will get some benefit from it. You know, it'd be great to get get a rating on on, on the podcast as well, on, on Apple Podcasts. Um, and, you know, tag, tag, if you can screenshot it, great. Put it onto your story. You know, I'll I'll share everyone's. Um, I always do, and I always um, you know message you back, 
and thank you for your you know support um over the last couple of months since i've um put the podcast out so i really appreciate it and yeah i hope you have a fantastic week and i will speak to you soon okay guys take care and uh, talk soon bye bye